All right. So Justine's not here today, by the way. Uh, she's my co-host. But Saturdays are for the boys, right? You, you familiar with that saying? Uh, now I am now. God damn it. I just showed your age on the air. That's I'm okay. sorry, Brad. I'm all Brad, right. I'm, 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 all right. With you. I'm all right. <laughs> I, I didn't see the four and the six flash in front of me, but uh, obviously I haven't been attending to my glycoma as much. <laughs> Brad, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, to our listeners. My name is Brad Spirison, and I am um, a Chicagoan, a father, a journalist, and an entrepreneur, uh, currently uh, um, immersed in uh, cannabis, but this time professionally. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And so you currently uh, are a co-founder for grownin.com with your partner, Mike Fouché, right? It's just you and Mike. Uh, Mike, myself, uh, and we have a grown-in learning um, uh, division uh, uh, managed by our uh, newer partner, Eric Davis, uh, uh, who um, is is also an entrepreneur in the education front. And uh, we do a lot of work along uh, the professional growth of cannabis professionals in Illinois and beyond. Awesome. Yeah, that's, I just have to say right off the bat that I'm a huge fan of what you and Mike uh, do. Um, I love that Grown In is a place that people really in the Midwest can look to um, for uh, quality, authoritative information. I'm kind of quoting you a little bit there. Uh, You guys aren't biased. Um, and of course, you're not owned by anybody but you and Mike. You guys are the co-founders, so it's not like, you know, you got big, big cannabis uh, line in your pockets or whatever. So uh, I just want to commend you for your uh, journalistic style in this venture because um, it's good to just get the data, get the information, and be able to come away with what we want to come away with. You know what I mean? Like instead of people spoon feeding us how to feel, right? So. Yeah, maybe it's better to come through a pipe than a spoon. Yeah, <laughs> you got all the you got all the puns. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I appreciate you saying this, uh, and really, what you're doing uh, is is tremendous. The scope and the variety of uh, the the folks that you have on, uh, you know, and it's all about conversations. It's all about being authentic and. Um, you know, as we learn from each other, this is a really, really early industry. Uh, so I appreciate uh, having the time to, to converse and share some stories with you. Yeah, thank you for that compliment. That means a lot, man. So um, have you always, have you always been a stoner? Let's, let's take it back I, to the high school out, years. Out of the womb? Yeah, yeah, right. Out of the womb. No, you probably weren't walking, walking and puffing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I could, I guess now I, I, I am on my 30th year. Yeah. Were oh. you a dare kid? Pardon me? Were you, were, it was like, uh, oh, dare, dare yeah, and... uh, I, I, I was, yeah. Nancy, what was the culture like? Nancy Reagan. Um, well it, it, it was, you know, I, I, I'm 46. So like, uh, you know, my elementary and middle school was pretty much Reagan and Nancy <laughs> Reagan just say no. So good times uh, for, for drugs. That was I'm the sure. 70s with um, Dynamite. I'm thinking more of the 80s with uh, different strokes and Nancy right. talking to, to Gary Coleman saying, you can't do this for these reasons and whatever. And um, 
so that was certainly part of the mainstream pop culture that like smoking a joint was really bad. Uh, it's criminal. Uh, it, it led to, you know, all sorts of twisted behavior and, and, um, uh, but that coincided with, uh, an upbringing where I'm the third of, you know, older brother, older sister, a little bit, you know, uh, separated in years from me. And so like, I also went to my first Grateful Dead concert when I was 13. Um, okay. Three years before I smoked any kind of pot. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, um, you know, it was exposed. It was not something my parents to- tolerated. They just, they, they knew that I liked music, but, but the, the culture was exposed to me. I was always a big fan of like, you know, what is now the jam band genre, but I, you know, I didn't think I would be doing this for a living, uh, back then. And, and really even, you know, as recently as like five years ago, I just didn't, it couldn't fathom it. Yeah. So you started smoking around 16, 17-ish, sounds like. Um, what, did you, what did you enjoy doing in high school besides smoking weed? Because you, you liked the Grateful Dead, Fish. It sounds like you maybe you were in the culture. So, But yeah. uh, have uh, you always been an, interested in writing is really my question. Writing uh, as a journalist. I mean, when I was in high school, um, my goal professionally was to be a sports writer and a sports journalist. And so I uh, actively pursued that career in college and just uh, after college. Uh, uh, So I went to Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, and that uh, coincided, my graduation coincided with the uh, Summer Olympics being hosted in that town. And uh, my first job, I graduated college early, uh, smoked a lot of pot, but I was a sociology major, so it was easy. Yeah. And, and remind us the year. Remind me the year. I'm 96. 96. Okay, hey. Uh, and, uh, and so in that time, my first job was actually producing a television sports talk show in Atlanta where I had the Braves and the Falcons and the Olympians, you know, back when he was a dude called uh, Bruce Jenner. He was on a couple. So I was, um, I was very interested in sports journalism in addition to music and, um, you know, being a teenager, doing a lot of stupid shit. Yeah. So 96, when did you start getting into tech? Cause I know you were a tech uh, columnist. Uh, totally by accident. So um, I was a TV guy, big time. I love television and I thought my career was going to be in television. And that's how I started. Uh, but in the late nineties, uh, you know, the, the, the internet was actually becoming a thing. Like the internet was not, you know, when I grew up, there was like a three TV, t- you know, the cable was like a, a phenomenon. Uh, and so the internet, I, I didn't really get it from the technology side, but from the media side, I was hooked. So um, fast forward after Atlanta, I got, I got a, a graduate degree at New York University and I was also working full time in the sector. And I, um, a media sector, and I, I mindfully transitioned from broadcast to writing about venture capital. Uh, at the time, there was a huge um, boom in the stock market uh, related to dot coms, early internet mm-hmm. companies, uh, kind of like what we're seeing today in pot, uh, pot coms maybe. But yeah. and the, uh, so the, it was the story behind the ascent of tech more than actually being technically proficient. I still can't hook up a printer. 
<laughs> okay. Okay, cool. You you just were interested in the ascent, just like now you're interested in the ascent of uh, cannabis. Yeah, but this time I actually have organic experience with the product of which I write about. Right. Yeah, like you said, uh, on I got to plug our friends at Cannabis Legalization News. I saw you on their show. You said you're a longtime enthusiast of the plant in all applications. I liked that. Dude, I had to write I, that down. Uh, well, I, I forgot I said that. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, pretty, pretty awesome. So um, after tech, am I correct that you segued into kind of like, I mean, it's, it's not like you segued away from tech because obviously, especially nowadays, very much involved, but you started getting in into like uh, E it was the e was it applications first that you got into or uh, education? So I did about, so, so I moved back home. I'm from Chicago. I moved back home when I was 25. I was recruited to be, so ironically enough, to, I was hired to write a weekly email newsletter focusing on the dot-com scene. You see, I don't really have too many tricks up my <laughs> Um And that, became, that company was called ePrairie. Uh, it became Midwest Business News. We created, um, you know, we patented a, a, a technology application uh, around early social networking in 2003, um, you know, kind of introducing people with complementary professional interests. Uh, now you see, um, unfortunately, not anything I own, but variations of that concept in, you know, speed networking events uh, at this point. That company sold in 2009. Uh, along the way, you know, I was, I was a writer, but I, I, I had to learn the business aspect of digital media. Uh, but I, I, I wrote up, uh, I was recruited to write a, a weekly column in the Chicago Sun-Times about technology, which uh, was a total joy. I did that for like four or five years and, and really interested in, in, again, like the people behind mm -hmm. technology, the people behind cannabis, the stories, the, how do you make this interesting to people who aren't necessarily in the industry? And I learned a lot about that. Uh, wonderful editors at the, at the Sun Times and, and just like a, it was a paper I grew up reading and has all this history and Roger Ebert and this. Um, so, and then the, 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 the other, you know, I've had two big like 10 year companies prior to going in. Uh, Epro was one, Applicious. Yeah. The other. And uh, that started in 2009. Uh, I wasn't a co-founder, uh, but I was an early employee that ran the content for, uh, a website and application to help people find other iPhone and iPad applications and then Android at the time. So it was mm -hmm. like a, a Yahoo for apps. Um, and uh, that was a venture backed, a venture capital backed company that discovered that, you know, while we had these big deals with Samsung, Verizon, Yahoo, most of our users that really cared about what we were doing uh, were educators, were teachers, were trying to, hey, this iPad is, is a new thing and this is how we're using it to figure out how to teach differently because our kids aren't using textbooks anymore. They're using Wikipedia and, and how do I like teach them to collaborate rather than just ingest, you know, or, or you yeah. know, listen to what I'm saying. So that became the e-learning, learning management system, uh, but it was all around like collaboration finding tools that you're discovering. So I did that for a number of years. Uh, that sold in 2016. The company that bought us um, created a, a company around what they bought. And um, I became um, really immersed in like, um, uh, not only online learning for adults, but how, how you learn from your peers 
mm-hmm. and and you know word of mouth recommendations and how does that inform traditional education and um, did that through 2019 my tour of duty uh, uh, was done at that point and that happened to coincide with um, you know some legislation that emerged in June of 2019. Uh, and I said, holy shit, I have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So that you saw the early beginnings of that CRTA and you were like. Yeah. I mean, I'd be a lot richer if I saw it in 2014, but whatever. Yeah. So um, let's get back to that. But just yeah. quickly ask you maybe like a fun question. Um, so can I ask you first, I feel like you're grandfathered into legality. So were you using cannabis all the while? through that professional career years that you just uh, kind of went yeah. through? Yeah, I mean, a couple, you know, a couple breaks here and there. I got busted in college once, uh, took a year off, it spooked me. A um, couple, you know, you take some breaks, but um, never for too long. Yeah, what was getting, can I ask you what getting busted was like? I mean, it was a cliche. Was it a, is it a cool story or was it just I was like... idiotic? I mean, it was, I guess it was busted twice. Once, once by like the what do they call it? The RA, you know, we were listening, mm-hmm. like, it was so cliche. It was early nineties. We're listening to fish lawn boy. <laughs> I'm not joking. And, uh, you know, we had the towel. We didn't ro- totally put it under the thing and we were just smoking bong hits and this and that and yep. on the door and it's like shit. And that was it. Um, and then the second time was, uh, I guess you would call it an early stage growth opportunity in the basement of a home where I was living. <laughs> and this time I got busted by my mom. Oh. Yeah, it was it was the uh I'd driven back to school with my parents and my room was taken. So I had to like I put my all my luggage and stuff in, in a room in the basement. I saw in the room of the basement that the light was on while the door was closed. And so I'm commandeering my parents up. My mom leaves her purse downstairs, goes downstairs and almost like pulled me by the ear back home <laughs> that's yeah sounds like the first time i got caught with my parents you know you try to like get them away from it and they're like nope right, going right to it yep so. i mean they took me to a dead show when i was 12 so i mean what are they expecting <laughs> yeah what, what are they expecting it was in the air uh, i'm sure it was right <laughs> which one i said at the dead show it was probably in the air no, no. My mom was literally like, people were passing joints across the way. And <laughs> yeah. This. You know, my dad, like, my dad was a, a musician and, and understood it. And they were both cool enough to take me there, but neither of them at all were part of that culture. But gotcha. they, I was going to ask you that cool question. Cool enough to get out of their comfort zone to appease their kid. Cool. Yeah. I wasn't, I was going to ask you yeah, what your parents thought of it, but it sounds like uh, they like, cool with the culture but they just didn't do it themselves yeah i know my mom wasn't particularly thrilled even now when i'm in my 40s that i told her what i wanted to do but yeah uh, now i think she understands um uh the 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 i mean she knows how interested i am in it and i think she she begins to recognize a lot of the therapeutic benefits and certainly um the the horrors in the criminalization of the plant well and you know at the end of the day too it's like you're just you're just writing on it and i guess you, you are you've got the e-learning part of it now so i guess you're teaching people about compliance and maybe about cannabis itself i want to get to that as well um but at the end of the day it's like you're just writing on it so 
you know, it's not like the people that ride on uh, the horrible things that happen in the stock market or the banking crisis or, you know, so. Yeah, but, I don't know. Although, I think But I get where she's coming from. It's like a, a, a crisis and can't, we're going through a little bit of a bubble here in pot stocks too. So, yeah, yeah but yeah, it's not, I'm not, I'm not a war correspondent. Yeah. So the reason I was asking if you smoked through it all is yeah. also like in relation to like kind of the era you were growing up in, were any of, were anything that you were thinking or anybody uh, surrounded you uh, that surrounded you that was writing about like what's going to happen with the internet or anybody like, were they on or were you like, man, you're high too, you know? The internet? Like, uh, like, yeah. Like just where, what it is today. I know that's a big question. Like, but like it, was, it, it going, like we thought it was utopian and now we realize it's dystopian, that kind of shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, that is a, that is a definitely a question I would ask, but I'll, I'll yeah. try to be happy about it today. Like more yeah. so like, uh, like, uh, the fact that I can fucking get a pen delivered to me with a click of my finger on Amazon, you know, and like um, stuff like that. No, I mean, like when I first got into it, it was, it was kind of euphoric because it's the late nineties and like, try to put yourself in the situation where, um, you know, I was relatively young, you know, I was the, the, the browsers were created basically in the time I was in college. And so, and so like, I kind of lived through it, even though I was more interested in smoking grass. Yeah. But, um, shout out Champaign, Illinois, by the way, which Urbana. is where, yep. Uh, Mosaic was, uh, created. Mark, right? Mark Andreessen. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I mean, so the, the guy that, that hired me originally, um, um, 20 years ago for E Prairie, uh, a guy named Josh Metnick, started an internet service provider in his uh, champagne urbana dorm room uh, that that actually um, was the hosting company for a company called blue mountain arts which was started by uh now governor of colorado jared polis so <laughs> what? Um, we're gonna call that a little bit of cross-pollination yeah that's cool that's cool yeah. stuff um, but anyway uh so the internet in terms of like we were, I ever thought everything was possible. It was the ascent of a new industry and like the markets were crazy and this and that. So like, you know, 21 years later, we were thinking a little bit of the Jetsons. And um, now like the convenience and the and the, the mobile wasn't really, we were still on like Nokia phones playing tic-tac-toe and stuff. Like we, I don't think there was a lot of stuff we couldn't anticipate, but there was a lot of stuff we were predicting that we actually didn't, you know, actually hasn't emerged yet, but you know, Moore's law is um, not always linear. Sure. Yeah. That's cool to hear, man. I, I just, uh, again, not to date you or anything, but yeah. to hear about, I mean, it's history. It's cool. Gotta, to you want to buy me dinner first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Get the candles going and everything. Right. Date, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, let's go back to like, we were talking about kind of uh, in 2019, I think, uh, was when um, you were Illinois, over. yeah, Illinois yeah. went legal or right. decided to go legal. Yeah. So how did you hook up with Mike, and how that had this all come to be? How did I hook up with Mike? Um, <laughs> I'm using a lot of weird terms. That's dude. funny. <laughs> so Mike and I have known each other a long time. Mike and I went to high school together. Oh, but shit. 
and we worked on a we worked on a project in high school together. Uh, specifically, he was we did he he was the brains behind a recreation of the David Letterman show live, and he was the Hal Gurney who was David Letterman's producer, and I was like the guitarist. Um, I think the guy's name was Sid McGinnis or something. Uh, I had a bit role in one of his productions, and he was always that but we were you know we 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 were friendly but we're but but then over the years there are very few journalist entrepreneurs uh living in the city of chicago and um eventually we found uh each other on this venture and i think both of us coming from different states i mean mike wrote about his first experience with cannabis last memorial day um whereas i you know he calls an enthusiast whatever that means, but I, I'll take it. And, um, uh, but we both recognized that uh, intellectually, ideologically and commercially, this was a good place to be. And um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a remarkable uh, partnership. Yeah. So maybe I'm getting too granular, but like when you met, was it just like, all right, or when you kind of reconnected rather, cause you knew each other. Um, my, my bad i just smacked my mic um <laughs> when you connected were you guys like okay so this looks like it's gonna swing you know we're gonna have adult use well how did that conversation go yeah like, let's start I, writing I, about I, it i i um uh my initial hypothesis was again like again like i'm what do i i, I found myself unemployed in the middle of june uh june, like june of 19 but uh, I love to write and I love to network. And I like, just like, I talked with Mike a little bit. I'm like, you know what, on a stab, I'm just going to write this little newsletter. You know, I'm going to send it out to a couple hundred people. Uh, and um, uh, that kind of resonated in, in terms of like uh, the approach to writing about the industry, which, which was um, business reporting um, uh, deep focus on uh, equity and inclusion issues, uh, a wink to the culture, but not a stony mag. And um, uh, I think like, you know, like, for, like he gave me notes on the first one and by like the fifth one, we were business partners. And, um, uh, and it's, it's, like it's, it's kind of grown organically, uh, uh, from there. Yeah. It's, uh, I know you guys are highly renowned. Um, you've even been listed, uh, in the top, what was that? The top 50. I can't think of it off the top of my head right the, now. Um, the, the wonderful people at MGO accounting, which sponsored some uh, great people. <laughs> uh, their, uh, uh, international accounting firm, uh, uh, was kind enough to recognize grown in as among the top 50 uh, companies that they're watching, which is really yeah. cool. So <clears throat> before we get into like maybe things that are going on now and stuff, what have been some just to, we'll start with the negative first. What have, has, has there been any negatives? Has there been any stigma? How, you know, you bet sounds like you've had conversations with your parents about what you're doing, you know, and, uh, but what, anything else, you know, like um not really i don't i mean that's 
that's among the most interesting things about the beats or whatever whatever it is that we're paying attention to is the um the dissipation of a stigma once like it becomes legal and and recognized as legal in a, in a certain in a state or in a municipality so um like in illinois no because all of us were kind of watching the news we see the lines at this and that and like it's become the sky hasn't fallen and you know there's a billion dollars in revenue to support a new industry mm-hmm. but like you know friends of mine in like you know the carolinas or atlanta or other other states where this hasn't happened yet are like jesus what are you doing anything crazy but in illinois we would have said the same thing like three four years ago like so yeah. so it it's only been stigma from those who are who reside in places where this has not yet become a thing. Gotcha. Well, it happens, you know, uh, different different lines, different cultures, stuff like that, you know, yeah. different areas. So holdouts yeah. in like Western Springs and a couple of northern suburbs too. But you know, I don't yeah. Hey, I mean, we've even got areas here in good old Illinois that, that I, that's um, what I'm saying. Yeah, man. Like, but it, you know. When I went to uh, the Consume Dispensary in Oak Brook Terrace, you know, a, a mile from where like the McDonald's headquarters was, like, and it just it seemed like I was at like a shopping center, body shop more than a head shop. You mm-hmm. know, I think things had turned. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I uh, I'm thankful that we have it. I know that the rollout hasn't been to everybody's standards of what it should have been. I think that's a good way of putting it, you know, some, but, but the fact that you can go to a store and buy a, a quote unquote regulated product um, with that. Here's my thing. You, you know, all too well, the game you have to play when you back in the day, when you're trying to acquire some cannabis, Oh, I'm going to be there in an hour. He's never there in an hour, you know? And so um, maybe you had great dealers. You were like, eh, so I did not have the best of luck with dealers. And so my dealers are always like, oh, I'll be there in an hour. And then two hours later, I'm like, hey, man, where are you at? You know, you got my stuff. And maybe you don't even hear back that day. But nowadays, it's like, hey, I'm going to need you to wait 15 minutes. And but, you know, at the end of that 15 minutes, you're going to get some sort of product that you walk out of the store and it'll get you high. You know? and that's, that's a beautiful thing, as is the, um, you know, enormous reduction of any kind of anxiety associated with thinking you're doing something that's against the law or you'd be doing or whatever. That's not a thing foundationally. Um, And then, you know, there's so many great new varietals and, and form factors that, you know, the the, the journey's still just beginning. Yeah, man. Yeah. So can I ask you, um, and I think I saw, I think I know the answer to this. I think you talked about this on cannabis legalization news, but is part of you waiting until 2019, that stigma, like, would you have done this earlier? Uh, if I you did I had a chance to in 2015, a friend of mine uh, wanted me to basically start uh, a publication around this stuff and maybe a business. And uh, in 2015, uh, one, my last company was in like a really interesting phase. And so I don't think it would have been appropriate to leave, nor, nor do I regret not leaving. Sure. But secondarily, as I was looking into it, you know, my, my, I have a son and he was, uh, he was 
five at the time and I didn't think I wanted to be the guy at like the preschool party at pump it up who, you know, everyone's thinking, you know, a drug dealer. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's what I thought. I <laughs> thought that was the case. So, um, yeah. so, so that was kind of permission and, you know, and this, and, and I, you know, professionally, I found myself, uh, with the gift of, uh, figuring out for myself what I wanted to do next. And it didn't take long. Before I move on to a more positive question and not that this one isn't, but uh, did you along the way, I know, you know, you're a journalist, you're a writer, you pay attention. Um, have you been paying attention to this movement along the way? Like, uh, I, I mean, I was, I was getting stuff from normal when I was a teenager. I mean, okay. Yeah. Uh, nice. It was, it, it, it always, uh, it, I mean, first from the uh, criminalization and incarceration standpoint, uh, always in like my soul, that mm-hmm. it's just how do you how do you lock something how do you lock somebody up for this kind of thing? So that isn't necessarily like the creation of an industry, but that it's kind of a you know an antecedent toward that. You know, you can't really have too many industries where a lot of people are locked up using the stuff. Although, yeah, who's meeting now? Maybe they do. But so, so I've always looked at it that way. And then, um, you know, then then you hear, you know, some things going up in the Pacific Northwest. Now oh, that's kind of interesting. And California and Colorado and. Um, uh, and Colorado. And all the while, the sky's not falling, like you said. Yeah. And then in Colorado, so 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 that first company I did, uh, E Prairie, um, that was it, it ended up being funded by Jared Polis, who's now the he was a, a mm-hmm. young entrepreneur at the time, sold at Blue Mountain Arts for like eight hundred million dollars or something when he was your age. So, wow. cracking kid, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but he 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 was I, I lived and worked in Boulder for much of 2001, mm-hmm. uh, starting a, a, a division for that company, E-Prayer, we called it E-Mile High, which would be a great name for a pot zine. Yeah. But he yeah. just, I mean, living in Boulder, first of all, and seeing that creative culture. And while it wasn't, I, I guess, necessarily legal at that point, it was certainly infused in most, um, you know, occasions I find myself in so yeah it was um you know and then and then you know 10 years later the states start going and then you look at um Washington and 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 Colorado you know uh were the first and I don't think it was any accident that the Seahawks played the Broncos in the Super Bowl that year although maybe it was so yeah (laughs) following it but I didn't know how to get in and and then then I did and then the, the one other thing is the um, there's an organization I'm involved in very actively in Chicago. It's called like the Economic Club of Chicago. And um, um, that group, I do like co-hosts. I co-hosted a, like a dinner among like CEOs and leaders, civic uh, uh, in Chicago, right around in early 2019 as well all about okay this law is coming what's the impact and mm-hmm. uh it's actually the co-host of, of um 
Christy Hefner was kind of leading it and I was kind of, kind of, you know, helping to facilitate. And um, what really put me over the hump was the fact that like, there was so much of the ambiguity and unknown and the part of like the traditional business community, but a great acceptance to what was about to happen because they knew the sky hadn't fallen in other areas and uh, right. a city like Chicago uh, may not, you know, we actually now ironically have a lot of growers due to the way regulations are, but we're also a, a town that can amplify things from a marketing perspective or has a lot of expertise in consulting, financial, medical, uh, universities. So um, what really uh, began to appeal to me and what appeals to me and really uh, what you focus when you think like one, five years from now is how other industries outside of the cannabis industry will be impacted and hopefully benefited as a result of this now being a thing. Yeah. So yeah, the pot paradise, Chicago. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> so uh, uh, on a more positive note, Windy, been... Windy City that threw an inhale. No, I don't know. <laughs> For an exhale, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, on a more positive note, uh, what have been some of the really cool things that have come out of this, this whole thing? I mean, everything. I mean, it's a good, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really cool way to kind of, you know, uh, do something for a living. And, um, so like the dot-com stuff 20 years ago and, and the app thing like 11 years ago and, and ed tech, like, it's always really fulfilling to, to observe and chronicle and be a part of an industry and its ascent because the rules have not been made yet. And you get a lot of smart people that um, either had been doing it for a long time or were unrecognized or were doing something else and they want to pop into something because they want to recreate and do something new. Like regardless of all of the wonderful qualities and applications of the plant, that, that one like, an industry in its formation by itself is a tremendously wonderful place to be. Um, now we're also living in um, a, a world where, you know, the cannabis industry in particular, I think has the potential to um, help individuals and companies and organizations from communities that have been adversely impacted from the criminalization of the plant, i.e. black and brown communities, as well as communities that have not had the infrastructure to create businesses that can succeed and grow in the same way that um, you can maybe on the North shore of Chicago on the North side. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I come from all of that, yeah. but um, to see the potential of an industry that can actually have more equitable distribution of value than certainly in tech didn't happen, you know, um, is interesting. That potential exists even if the implementation to date in Illinois has been a complete shit show. Yeah, the potential is still there, and that's that's the that gives me hope. I guess is what yeah. I'm trying to say. So, 
Yeah, and that's a good segue. You know, hopium is uh, John Cass <laughs> calls it. Hopium. That's the last time I'll quote John Cass. Although, you know, I, I do like Greek journalists. <laughs> I'm one. You're a wealth of wit, man. I, I, love, I love your character. It's sure. You're cracking me up right now. So. <laughs> um, so that was a good segue, though. What's going on in Illinois? I always ask Mike. I think Mike, I, when I've had him on the show, I ask him, or at least the last time I had him on the show, Mike, Mike what the fuck is going on in Illinois right now? So, Brad. What the fuck is going on in Illinois right now? <laughs> I mean, what's the word on the street? I, I did not. I read the cliff notes of uh, a tale of two cities in high school. I never read the full book, but uh, it is the best of times and the worst of times. So yep. what that means is, um, you know, on Wednesday, there's another company called Verano Holdings. It's going public at like a $3 billion valuation. God bless them all. Uh, Fresco is at like three and a half billion. Green Thumbs at 10 billion, at least. So you're, you're looking at like $15 billion in like capital for three companies uh, that had licenses at the onset of the marijuana program in Illinois in 2014 and been extremely right. well run. They're in multiple states. That's happening. While at the same time, you have hundreds of applicants to try to get in to uh, owning a license to a cannabis retailer or a cannabis grower in Illinois, licenses that are not nearly as valuable as what this original cohort of companies had. No. And we've been waiting <laughs> for six months. We've been, you know, we've been waiting since September. We're still waiting. There's not like you could probably just we can rerun the transcripts of what you know you said with Mike back in December and what you said back in September because there's been no real movement. Um, but the longer we wait, the harder it is for uh, disenfranchised groups to actually um, create and have companies that are of value. Well, I mean, we talked to the folks uh, at Chicago Kush who are uh, applying under, you know, social equity, and they've got a um, their cultivation center is licensed, zoned, and permitted, but it's sitting because can't do anything, right? Can't put the seeds in the soil. So, um, and <coughs> excuse me, I just took a hit of cannabis. You got any cannabis on hand? I'm good, <laughs> but thank you. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that that's sad to hear. I, I know that I did just hear, uh, and we were talking. Speaking of cannabis legalization news, I just had Tom Howard uh, on the show, and we were talking about because he's, you know, he's a lawyer, so he's working with some of these applicants. And have you heard anything about the ten day notices that went out? Do you have any thoughts on that? With uh, it was with uh, craft growers, right? Yeah. Um, that, so there you know, about 10 days ago, something a couple of weeks ago, yeah. people were starting to get uh, deficiency notices, which was seen as a sign of progress in that, like the wheels and the machinery of government is actually happening. And mm -hmm. um, there were some, uh, you know, newer requirements or hoops to jump through. And I know a lot of people spent a lot of time, they dropped everything jumping through them. They yeah. haven't heard anything. But what I also learned was that um, because of the you know significant expense associated with holding particularly a craft grow license like 
like uh, or like like holding that team together. You're paying rent, you're paying salaries, you're paying yeah. a lot a lot of folks that uh, a lot of these groups had had already given up, and so it was hard to kind of get the band back together to say, oh, now a few months after the fact we can do this. You know, some people might be on right. a job or they're out of money or they're whatever. So um, I think, and I sense that there was a tremendous amount of organization and resources for those groups. But the tragedy is a lot of people that, you know, um, still couldn't be part of it because they had to move on with their lives. And yeah. to, even today there's no, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And um, you know, the, the, scoring entity kpmg um is still judging everything so uh i'll wait and see just you know what kind of uh result emerges and didn't they get a uh an increase in their contract recently did you guys report on that yeah i mean and i'm not and i don't i'm not like they did. I, I, I don't have all of the facts as to why sure. and, and, and yep. however. Uh, hey, maybe what they did was, maybe what they did was they mm-hmm. actually had standards for like the scores, you know, like you have to have this college degree, this background, the, what I, I don't know. I'm just spitballing or I'm, and I'm actually making a call back to something that Mike Fouché pointed out was that, which was that people scoring like, uh, yeah, I don't know. You just think undergraduate they would... students in Florida yeah. they have never really done anything, or maybe they're just out of college. Yeah, something like that. Right. Uh, uh, some irregularities, but the, I think the other portion was in terms of the the round of um, you know seventy five dispensary licenses that went to about twenty or twenty one different groups. Yeah. Um, um, you know, including some, you know, well-known uh, restaurateurs that uh, were social, part of, you know, social equity applicants. Um, you know, not, I don't, I haven't seen any evidence of anyone breaking any rules. I think the real crime is that some people knew exactly how to, how to manipulate the rules. And right. Didn't. So, um, you know, you get back to the veterans thing, you know, so, so, what, what, what happened, you know, just talking to a lot of people were, were no one fathomed or not too many people fathomed that um, applicants were going to get a perfect score on their dispensary license. It just wasn't a thing. So in order to get a perfect score, you needed to have a veteran on your group. And that was like two additional points. And everyone's like, right. okay, do I hit up an uncle that was in the military and kind of, you know, disingenuously say, you want to get in business with me? Or do I just say, you know what, everything else I have is so good. Two points, who cares? Yeah. Some people knew that those two points were going to matter. I think 21 different groups knew those points were going to matter that also did perfectly on everything else. And that's yep. To the level of organization, the level of sophistication, the access, uh, in some cases, of the people who wrote the law in the first place that are now representing you. Yeah, they're going to know the rules. Yeah. But that's not the intent of what, you know, the governor who I love very much, you know, ran on in terms of social equity. Yeah. And like you say, it's not that any rules necessarily were broken. It's that maybe people, some people were more familiar with the rules, right? You know, so it's like. I mean, that's. But that, you know, and that's, yeah. uh, 
And, and I guess really the qualm that people have just because I don't mean to make you like speculate on that. The qualm that people have with it is that, uh, you know, you don't think of a social equity candidate as being a veteran. You just, you just typically don't like, you know, cause they're disenfranchised from the system. Thus they probably haven't been a veteran, you know, type. Yeah. Of thing. I mean, I mean, having a veteran in addition, uh, I, I think that there are extraordinary merits to having a veteran on your team and recognizing. Absolutely. That. Yes. That's absolutely. Not what we were sold when, you know, that's not when citizens were sold on and, <laughs> right. and the fact that, that, that was, in retrospect, a requirement um, doesn't seem right. And I think something that the legislators, um, you know, are, are, are trying to reconcile when and if we see more dispensaries come into the state, you know, in the months and years ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, you brought up JB Pritzker. Can I get you to comment on JB for cannabis corruption? Uh, uh, any of the I, allegations? I saw the website and it was, you know, um, it, it seemed like a very well-constructed hit job. You know, yeah. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's wrong. Um, I do know. So, so, so JB Pritzker um, uh, was a technology uh, investor and dot-com investor and mm-hmm. interviewed him many, many times uh, uh, in his career in the private sector. And um, you've interviewed him there. Yes, very much. Wow. That's cool. Uh, he does. He's not taking my calls on pot. Neither is his administration. So, sure. You know, IDFPR people, PR people. You know, I'm not going to bite. But yeah, I'd like uh, to think if we weren't in COVID times, maybe he would be taking your calls. You know, I'd like. I, let's let's think happy thoughts, right? I, I, no, I, I don't think he's surprised that I'm in the pot business. I'll tell you. <laughs> but the so so, you know, there's two parts of what he did. We 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 expunged tens of thousands of people uh we expunged records and and created an environment where um when the law was passed when the program started in illinois it was seen as the blueprint for everything you should do right and so as a governor you know this is legislation this isn't exact. you know i think you're, you're you're creating the right signals but um you know where I, I believe he is vulnerable politically, and this is just, you know, uh, my yeah, that, that website that you referred to, as well as emails and conversation, is that um, under his watch, um, we, ha- st- we have a failed social equity program to date, and a buck has to stop with somebody. I, I, I think it's, I think he's the, the, He's a venture capitalist. He, he supports business. I think, I, I, obviously, my my ideology matches his in, in many regards. Um, you know, so but uh, he's at a tough spot, and and yeah. on the pot issue, it remains to be seen. You know, if that's going to be a net positive or net negative, and his ability to get reelected. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, when is it's coming up? Sometime soon, right? Yeah. Uh, Something we're we're potheads. Who cares? Just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eighteen. 19, yeah. Twenty-two. I think next year. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Ish. Cool. Well, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I don't even know who would be a a candidate on the other on on the right. You know, I don't imagine Bruce Rauner is going to come out again. Well, you um, got that. You got that one rational congressman downstate. You know. That- hey. 
Oh, is what's his name? I think was he just on Bill Maher? He was last um, last evening or for me this morning because I can't even stay up that late at night. Remember? That's I'm right. Like, hey, me too. We were both watching Bill Maher this uh, morning. Uh, yeah, that dude, Ken Kenjiner or something or other. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where he is on pot. What's his name? Kensinger. Kensinger. Okay, thank <laughs> you. Um. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think I think JB has more. Um, I think there will be some some uh, competition on the left before yeah. before he gets into the general. And I, you know, again, like we're 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 talking in February of 2021. Um, yeah. uh, there there are a lot of things, uh, you know, the the K, the KBMG and how that's administrated and when that comes out and and their transparency. Like, there's a lot of things that need to be answered, but you know, there's. Yeah no time for all of this to actually work well and and live up to what uh, we were all hoping for yeah and i'm trying to think there's a, a demand study due in the future um i'll have to look back at the and i don't even know if the timeline is you know because of covid if it's even obviously the licenses that timeline's been moved back to what it was on the roll out so there was like a cannabis timeline that i had and you could see when we expected to see you know uh craft licenses dispensary licenses transporter licenses infuser licenses but then also you could see the next rollout of dispensaries um like the second wave because there was always you know a planned second wave and then there was a demand study i can't remember when that was due or even if I don't even know if that is still going to be due at the same date, you know, it's hard until, until we see movement on like one social equity license yeah. being awarded. I'm not going to hold my breath for what might happen after that. I mean, I'm yeah. sure all of that will come and I don't mean to like, there's a lot of good work going into that, but yeah. there's such a backlog and we've been waiting. Um, and I think I think the other the other component from based on my reporting and talking to a lot of people is, you know, on, on the side of the applicant groups, there there and on the side of the industry, there are multiple uh, you know constituencies with multiple interests that aren't always on the same page either. Yeah. So um, a deal will have to be made somehow, some way, and that'll that'll have to most likely involve people from the the 21 groups that have something saying, yeah, um, don't screw us, but we'll allow for this to happen. And um, everybody else um, be realizing that, you know, a better shot at getting in the next round is better than no program at all. Yeah. Um, but again, the, the headline here is that the incumbent, uh, companies, the three that I just mentioned that are worth $15 billion, billion, uh, <laughs> as well as other companies um, buying their way into Illinois, including the Skyon of the Wrigley company, who, um, uh, according to Forbes, and, and I'm working on an article right now, is about to write a $150 million check to buy a lot of uh, cannabis assets in Illinois. It's, wow. it's a booming market if you have mm -hmm. the money and the network. And if you don't, you're, you're fighting for scraps. Well, just to plug one of Mike's articles, Illinois is one of those state, states with the, uh, the Fouché forces of cannabis, the three Fouché forces, the forces of cannabis. And I, his, I think, is basically the same as something that I read, which is like these cannabis companies – 
the ones that the three that we're talking about specifically look for uh, limited competition markets, high population, also high tourism. Chicago checks all those boxes, you know. Yeah, Chicago, Florida, New Jersey, uh, New York, Pennsylvania, yeah. California, California, Maryland. No, California, no, because uh, there's no limited competition, so it's hard okay. to notice. The company, the cannabis companies that are making the most money are, you know, so, so are in, are operate in states with limited licenses. California does not have that. Colorado does not have that. Michigan, the little lumpy doesn't really have that. Uh, Oklahoma certainly doesn't have that. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. You can fucking do anything you want in Oklahoma. Sooner, sooner. (laughs) Smoke a lot of, you need like $2,500 and a note from the doctor or something like, yeah it's crazy um uh but so but yeah all of those points in chicago certainly is is that illinois certainly uh is that Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's an interesting thing that you just pointed out that i don't think i've i think uh i don't know that i've ever heard vocalized really before and i just want to say it again those three companies that you know, dominate our state and dominate the, I would say the legal cannabis industry and what their valuations are. Right. I mean, yeah. And then you have cure relief. That's I think the, the worth the most out of, out of Boston, but they brought grassroots, which was huge here for like a billion dollars. And yeah. Um, you know, and, but and none of those companies are in those uh, like Colorado, Oklahoma, no. California, those. No, nope. it's almost like a, I don't, I'm, how should we say it? it's like a free market approach as opposed to, I don't know if even that's true. No, so, it's totally true. And, and at the end of the day, it might be better. Shit. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not a shareholder in any of these companies. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people in the industry lament Oklahoma, but you know, it, like that's cause it's hard to build a big company in Oklahoma, but it, there doesn't seem to be any shortage of uh of, of product based on the numbers we're no. about to unveil how's that for you hey that's an awesome tease thank, thank you. you that's cool um yeah i mean you can't throw a stone without hitting a dispensary in oklahoma so yeah man yeah that's um, why barry switzer has that look on its face <laughs> i no comment on that one <laughs> <laughs> you know the re okay i am going to comment on that one Wait. you i don't you, you aged yourself again. I don't know the <laughs> reference. <laughs> Barry Switzer was the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners back when they were like, um, they weren't really known for their academic pursuits, but they won a lot of big eight football teams. I dated myself again. Barry Switzer's <laughs> the guy. So uh, when the Dallas Cowboys became good again in the mid nineties, Jerry Jones, their owner hired yeah. Jimmy Johnson to coach and they won two in a row. And Jimmy, Jerry Jones got real drunk one night saying, you know what? Our team's so good. I could have Barry Switzer coach it. And Jimmy <laughs> said, fuck you. I'm out. They had one year. They went to the NFC championship. Then the next year, Barry Switzer won the fucking Super Bowl. And it's, that's amazing. And, and that's why he has that look on his face and the pot. And yeah. he's kind of a goofy looking guy. I don't even know if he's alive anymore, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so one thing that is going on in Illinois cannabis right now, the wheels are turning on. And I think, I, I don't know, I, maybe it was an article by Tom Shuba or some, one of the, I've been awesome as of late. I yeah. Sh- shout out to him. I got, I'm working on getting him on the show. I would love to, to talk to him, but, uh, 
I don't know if it was him or somebody else, but they were, I liked what they said about it. You know, while things aren't rolling uh, with the licenses, hammers are, you know, putting nails in walls and they're, what they're trying to do is open more doors on dispensaries before some deadline in March. No, it's coming up. I don't, I hear various reports. uh, It's no later than the end of March. It could be March 15th, but what the issue specifically that you're talking about is, is that by that date, if you are uh, an original medical marijuana dispensary and you haven't broken ground or um, you know established that you are going to open your plus one recreational dispensary, mm-hmm. by that date you lose the right for that plus one. And in the words of uh, a really good friend and source of mine. It's the equivalent of watching a $20 million lottery ticket and sit right in your hand. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you just think about how hard some of these people are uh, fighting to open doors on dispensaries that, I mean, by all means that that, they are qualified to open, you know? Yeah. No, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. So um, just want to plug really quick. Uh, once again, uh, we're joined with Brad Spearson uh, from grownin.com. Uh, go to grownin.com and sign up for their newsletter. It's easy. It's free. Uh, so when you go to grownin.com, it's up in the top right hand corner. Uh, you'll get things as they come out. Um, you'll get information about um, the Midwest cannabis industry. I mean, it's not even limited to uh, Illinois. You guys are kind of all over the Midwest. Um, and you've even, I wanted to maybe just briefly segue to, uh, you know, you guys do, we were talking about e-learning, but you also have had, um, a summit recently. So, um, how'd that go? Was that cool? Yeah, it was a good time. And, and so on the Midwest, I mean, we're, we started in Illinois, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly live in Chicago, but, uh, over the course of the last eight months, nine months, uh, we're, we're uh, covering Michigan and Missouri uh, very closely. And that the, the interesting thing about that, and I'm gonna get to the summit, but the summit was a Midwest capital and commerce, so it's all connected. Yeah. Um, um, all three states have completely different uh, regulatory structures, which makes this whole industry fascinating you know um uh and that's that's a little bit of what we addressed at the summit um uh on february 10th where we convened uh journalists tom shuba was was on a panel uh, venture capitalists from uh here as well as uh boulder uh operators a lot in michigan including um uh, Vishal Runkta, uh, C3 in, in Michigan, and um, Leah Bailey, who lives in Illinois, but helped start Flourish, uh, as well as an executive at Pharmacan, uh, Greg Modell, talking about raising money and then valuations and then a lot of stuff. Like, um, we were trying to articulate what was going on for entrepreneurs in each market. You know, it's different because of the licensing situation. It's in Illinois, you can't get a license. In yeah. Michigan, a lot of people have licenses. So it's a different kind of business model altogether. And uh, while you can clear through the state, you got to work the municipality and it's whatever. Missouri is just medical and it's a red state. 
um, and um, they have restrictions on like raising capital from from outside of the state. So yeah. what you have in, in Missouri, and in, in, in these were issues discussed in the in the uh, summit, are you know dozens of licenses, but no one having enough money to actually like build a cultivation center. So you got like a hundred, I don't know, you got a lot of people, a hundred million people, can't be a hundred million people, not a hundred million people in Missouri, a hundred thousand people uh, that have their medical cards, um, but they're still driving across the river to get their weed in Illinois or in Oklahoma because there's not enough uh, plant there. So real long way of saying this conference convened, you know, people like Mitch Myers, a woman who, um, uh, was an original dispensary uh, license owner in Rolling Meadows, Illinois, but was, you know, from the St. Louis area, a long time um, Budweiser executive, now talking about what it's like to be vertically integrated in, in Missouri. So, you know, like it, during a plague, you never know who's going to come out. Um, but yeah. the, the Excel events uh, website held up, a couple of tech glitches in there, but that's fine. Um, and people seem to like it, which, so we're going to do more of them for sure. Good to hear. That was my second question. Cause, uh, um, I didn't want to invite or interrupt you when you were saying the folks that were, uh, on panel and invited, uh, cause I was just so excited that I was invited. Thank you again for the invite. It was, yeah, it was a cool thing. So, um, and I'm glad that there's yeah, yeah, more. wait till we do it in person. It'll be a lot more fun. Gosh, yeah, that will be cool. That will be cool. I got to get my business cards ready. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happened to business cards, right? I think a uh, plug for Tom from Cannabis Legalization News again. He said that joke one time. And I was like, that's so fucking true. I've got all these goddamn business cards that, <laughs> yeah. You could use it to kind of organize your shake before you get it into the pipe. That's what you could do with a business card right now. That's what my business cards are being used for right now. I could... Yeah, that's on my rolling tray. I scrape up the, yeah, no joke. No joke about it. You look on my Instagram and you'll see my business card on my rolling tray. So um, just wanted to check in with you. You good, you good on time, my friend? Uh, totally. Cool. Okay, sweet. Um, we'll be wrapping up here soon. I got, you know, a few more questions for you to take it uh, to a higher level. Um, so long story short on Illinois, nothing's really changed. Some people are opening up, uh, opening up new dispensaries that currently own dispensaries. So they're cashing in on that uh, provision that allotted them another location. Um, so that's kind of, uh, that's kind of Illinois. So I'm going to wipe that tear away really quick. Uh, it, it's, it's good and everything. I just, you know, people are frustrated uh, and uh, rightfully so, you know, not only the, cons the consumers, but the people that are waiting into the industry, waiting to get into the industry and, I guess just to bring it to, um, well, what, one before I bring it to a federal level, I wanted to just kind of zoom out to the Midwest level. I, the, the comment you made about the fact that it's a patchwork of different regulations, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I've always seen that from the consumer side, you know, because like, for example, in Illinois, uh, uh, an adult, just a, a, an adult, a hypothetical adult, 21 years or older, can have 30 grams of flour you know, five grams of concentrate. And I think it's 800 milligrams of edibles, but in Michigan, an adult, that same adult could get two and a half ounces of flour and so on and so forth. I'm not that versed in all the regulations. And in Colorado, it's, uh, it's actually even a little bit more stringent in Colorado. I was pretty lame. You kind of got to get a tip. If you're going to Colorado, 
focus on one item when you go in there. Cause so like, if you get, if you get flour and then you get, um, concentrate, they equate concentrate to flour on your possession limit. And so you actually kind of, yeah, you can get in a situation where you don't get a lot of product. So, you know, if you're trying to, but anyways, I'm not trying to give tips for that. Um, so I've never thought of it on the business side of it though, the different patchwork of regulations to comply. Um, I've always thought about it from the consumer side, me being the consumer, right. Um, and the differences. So that's very interesting to hear about. Um, I guess my question, do you see any, um, do you see any other states in the Midwest or I guess we can zoom out to the federal, any other states that um, Illinois could like use some things from one I'm thinking of is the fact that Michigan has the MRA, not the NRA. They're filed for bankruptcy, right? Um, <laughs> the, the, the marijuana regulatory agency, which I'm like, we've got a supposed cannabis czar, which you never hear from. Uh, but uh yeah. What do you, what do you think that, is there anything in another state you see that Illinois could really like, besides giving fucking people licenses, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, um, excuse I, my language, by the way, you mentioned you had a kid. I hope he's not around. No, nah, we're good. Um, <laughs> okay. The it's, I think what's interesting without, without necessarily citing other things that Illinois can learn from, remember a lot of States, a lot of States, you know, are, we're adapting Illinois focus on social equity. Yes. Yeah. Toward, um, like I, I, I fully expect, um, you know, the, the, the blue Eastern corridor, New York, New Jersey, um, uh, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, to when 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 they're all I mean New Jersey's up and running but like to have social equity programs that are mindful if not incorporate if not um, expand beyond what was originally set in Illinois so um, and it, it speaks to kind of you know state-driven laboratories of government um, but in terms of like unique approaches yeah Michigan's doing uh, uh, Michigan is uh, a state that we could learn from because it's been legal in different iterations and incarnations since 08. And uh, they've gone through it. And, and however, and we're, we're relatively new. And, um, uh, but I think, I think, you know, now to like kind of get into the federal question, it's until, until like the, the federal government makes this legal you can't really appropriately study it yeah so so there we're still in this prehistoric period where there's this great unknown there's this anecdotes of yeah this makes me feel like this this does that yep. put this on my message this and that and i hope it's not that bad for me and i think it's pretty good for me but we don't know Right. So yeah, what are your outlooks? Uh, I assume you're paying attention to what's playing out on the national level. What are your outlooks on cannabis reform at the federal level right now? I think that there's a strong probability in the next eight or nine months that uh, uh, the Biden administration and Congress will institute some sort of uh, banking normalization 
that will allow financial services companies to uh, transact without uh, risking losing their federal charter. So um, that will make a lot of things possible. And I'm I'm hoping on the science front, the bank, you know, bank, banks, pay their lobbyists more than researchers do. Although drug companies are pretty good. Um, So I don't know if they're going to fit all those things in, you know, but I think it's going to be a recognition that this is, well, one, no longer an illegal industry because it still is even us doing it and this and that, you could still get pinched by the federal government in theory for doing anything. Um, So that won't happen. And then, you know, I, I think you're still going to have, uh, certainly within the next year and for the foreseeable future, different structures within different states. You know, um, you don't, I don't, I'm not hearing uh, interstate commerce necessarily anytime soon. And uh, there's a lot of advantages to keeping it state driven, even though it's maddening. Um, you know, when it's no longer state driven, you know, if you have like a social equity program that you believe in that no longer really resonates and, um, uh, but eventually it will become federal. And, you know, I think the, the, the cigarette companies and the alcohol companies and the drug companies are going to try to get to Monsanto. They're going to, um, they'll, they'll have a big place at the table, but again, this is grass and, it's a different it's a different kind of thing and what attracts me to this industry is innovation and uh what what people what people bring to it one thing that that we didn't talk about on the local front that i hope happens sooner rather than later in illinois is the um the public consumption clause thank you yeah i was gonna bring that up yeah so uh, the, the remind people for public consumption, a dispensary could get it, but also uh, if you have one of those licenses that allows you to get around smoke-free Illinois, AKA you're a hookah lounge or something, um, you can get one of those licenses too, right? Yeah, it'll, it'll, and, and, and so I'm sure we'll have a lot of creative entrepreneurship to figure out what you need to be to allow people to smoke pot while they're hanging out in your business. Yeah. Hey, qu- question on that. Not that yeah. I'm expecting you to be uh, refined on hookah bar regulations, but are you able to serve snacks in a hookah bar? Because I was on a clubhouse chat and they were talking about the problems with consumption lounges in other states. And one of the problems is that there's something that gets in the way of them vending drinks, foods, even if it's prepackaged and sealed. And I didn't know that's probably a really specific question, but yeah, I don't have you ever know. been to a hookah lounge. <laughs> I don't that's know. You do nice. Hell yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Do you use the, the traditional way with tobacco or do you put your Mark and hash in there? <laughs> I, I, I think it's always good to uh, do some sort of hybrid. There you go. Okay. I like it. Uh, I like it. Um, so, yeah, thank you for getting into that because that's important and we really hope to see that. And I, I think another that's another case of if we didn't have this pandemic, uh, we probably would have seen it by now. You know, there was Springfield. Uh, we were going to do a road trip back in like January. There's some place in Springfield that has a rice license to do it. And a couple of us were going to, you know, why not? Nice. Yeah. It, it's our job. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the pandemic kind of, kind of 
a shimmy on that. Got that one down. Yeah. So yeah, the banking thing though at a federal level would be huge. Um, in my opinion, for some of these folks that are waiting on licenses right now, you think about if there was access to funding, um, maybe somebody like Chicago Kush or you know whoever else that are sitting on things and are trying to pay those salaries, maybe if they had access to funding, they wouldn't be hurting as bad right now. I, I, I think I think more more capital in the industry will allow more people to do more things, but yeah. it doesn't it won't necessarily. Uh, solve the economic disparity issue you know sure really seen it solved yet um when there's more money into a marketplace there's usually one uh group that gets more of it gets access uh, to that yeah uh-huh true enough uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hold your point. breath on that one but you know all all boats floated whatever the cliche is yeah hell yeah well at the end of the day it's like have these people not seen ozark Fucking cash only business. Like what a perfect way to wash money. I'm just joking. Um, I, I just live for the day. I don't remember who wrote this. I, uh, it might've been a comedian that said it actually. Um, you know, one of these days you're going to be able to, once, once this banking, me- these banking measures pass when they've win and if, right. Um, you'll be able to buy weed with your Amazon credit card, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of funny. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, so, uh, as a longtime member of Normal uh, or follower, I don't know how you want to say it. Did you see the industry being this way? Uh, this is kind of another question, just like the internet thing that I asked you. Going uh, back, looking. Yeah, I mean, I try to, I try to put into perspective. You know, I, I dove into here in, in in 2019, and I've seen a lot of stuff in my year and a half. But by no means do I have like the institutional memory of someone who's been here for you know, a a longer period of time. And so what I see is, you know, a somewhat narrow point of view of watching a state and then a couple of states and then something combine into this thing. Um, But like, just as whatever existed in the internet era in like 1997, isn't exactly what it is. We're early, 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 early. Uh, So um, what do I see? I see, you know, you know, I see, I see an Illinois company called Mandalas that's going to figure out how to make our Oreos get us high. <laughs> well, and one thing I mean, I specifically was asking about is that okay. like, could you have like, would you have seen it going to a dispensary or would you have always imagined, did you, when you were thinking of when pot was legalized, would it have just been like, okay, now it's legal for my dude to sell it or did you always think that we would go to a store and it would be in a store yeah um or even possession limits you know because like what the hell is that honestly what the hell is that and i talk about this with everybody but you know no i think i think i would have would uh i didn't think it would be as commercial as quickly as it would be you know um i think that you know there would have been uh but in retro, like, so, so because of the regulation, um, it, it has to be set up in a certain kind of way. Uh, and I understand why you have to regulate a federally illegal substance in a certain area. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and then it's all, it all goes back really to, uh, I always like to say this cause my name is Cole, the Cole memo. Right. So, and that's kind of what they're loosely uh abiding by still to this day even though 
I think Jeff Sessions threw it in the trash can or whatever, or didn't maybe renew it or something like that. Yeah, but I, I think I think I thought it'd be more plentiful. Like you know, uh, yeah. it's 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 a pain in the ass to go to a dispensary and actually get something, and it's really expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought there'd be more. Did you ever imagine you'd buy your weed online like you do? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that doesn't surprise me as much. No? Um, yeah. But I, I, I didn't think it, you know, I, I didn't, it still tripped me out when I went like back to this, this dispensary, you know, I've, I've been to ones in, in like the newer ones, like in Naperville and Oak Brook Terrace and other, like that they're like, high-end department store experiences more than they're like you know a bong shop or a headshot i grew up going to mm-hmm. and um and that's fine that that exists i think that's great that that exists because it's more inviting to people that weren't necessarily exposed to this plant and it, it helps get them there but the fact that like the only way to procure it legally is through a finite number of stores in the area and through these cultivate, like the bullshit we talked about with the license and everything. It's a weed. Yeah. Yeah. Grow the shit. Yeah. It grows in a ditch. That's what my mentor says. Yeah. Taught me how to grow it. Yeah. So I think we're overthinking it a little bit, but you know, thank God it it, it gives, it, it provides for good copy. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, I wanted to talk about your venture into education with grown in, um, but before we do that, just a topic, I want to sneak in here. Um, psilocybin, what do you think the outlook is on psilocybin going forward? Um, we're seeing it kind of follow the same trajectory as cannabis. You see it decriminalized in some cities. You're even starting to see therapeutic uses of it. Um, it's in the same schedule as cannabis um, and arguably just like cannabis, it's organic. There's not really any processing you have to do. I mean, with cannabis, there's a cure process and everything. So you could argue that's processing. And I guess with psilocybin, I think there's um, like a drying process. So it's not like uh, it's not like it's totally natural process, right? There's a little bit of human intervention, but I'm trying to draw the tangent between the two do you see them following similar trajectories in the future and i know this is something that you don't report on or anything i the reason my question comes up is because i've seen it uh abundant in the illinois black market which is interesting i also saw you i think you wrote an article about an nhl um Priscilla or yeah black Hawk. yeah i i think um psilocybin like it's like anything else, like it's, it's commercial ascent is, you know, anything else with the plan is nonlinear, you know, maybe start from the inside out and then yeah. go within and go with, I don't know. It's, a, it's mushrooms. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Michael Pollan, the food author did a lot a couple of years ago to mainstream psilocybin as a, as a medical uh, tool when he wrote the book, how to change your mind. And um, then we see Oakland and Denver and a little bit of Chicago. And then, yeah, there's like $4 million in a mushroom company, which I didn't, I never thought I'd be writing about that one. Um, 
So, you know, a, a, a good friend of mine, a local uh, venture capitalist named David Friedman with Panther Venture Capital, who was an investor in, in, in the psilocybin company. I interviewed him and he had a really interesting point that the, uh, he thinks that psilocybin won't be as large of a market as cannabis, but from a medical perspective, when you go apples to apples, it could be tremendously higher because of the um, potential therapeutic uh, benefits of dissipating one's ego when they're trying to heal from something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I don't see uh, that's yeah, that's a, a good assessment, a solid assessment. I don't see like a lot of people dropping shrooms and getting trippy you know i don't i just don't see I, it as I, being as, i mean that there's nothing wrong with that either hey there's yeah no no nothing no judgment here right we uh we don't discriminate so oh. uh any drugs yeah so but, um it, like you say though uh maybe i think maybe where it might have its shining moment is like microdosing, um, but you're not gonna see like uh i don't know that people are gonna be who knows though I was going to say, I don't know that people are I, thirsty for that high. Cause sometimes, like you say, that ego moment, some people aren't ready for it. So I was, well, I mean, that's when you slip it in. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so I do see a uh, potential market in the hospitality space. Um, yeah. It's somebody that, that, you know, saw Jerry Garcia perform about 30 or 40 times and, and, another 30 or 40 iterations and at least 50 fish shows. I know that um, there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people with a disposable income that like to incorporate that type of feeling within their recreation. Yeah. But, um, you know, one drug at a time. Yep. Well, well said. So, well, that's something to look forward to. I think it'll have its day under the sun pun intended, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, grown in education, uh, let's talk about that before we close out the show. I, cause I really like what you guys are doing because again, um, I going to quote you from cannabis legalization news. You guys are recognized at grownin.com for quality, authoritative information. You're unbiased. Um, but you're also, uh, an education resource learner centered. Um, and, you know, you were talking about the many different facets of that. Do you mind kind of going into your guys' approach uh, with this new venture? Of course. Uh, and, and thank you. So I, I think we've talked about where we are uh, in the industry and we talk about like, first of all, the mindset of anyone that's going to work professionally in this industry um, you've obviously overcome the stigma or you never had it in the first place. And you're, you're either starting your career or you're going from another career into uh, uh, cannabis. And, uh, you know, it, 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 maybe some of the starter levels could be, you know, bud tending or, uh, you know, various roles in, within a cultivation center. But like, yep. we're also working for a different kind of company that does a different kind of thing. So uh, in terms of developing professionally, um, I think that there's, there's a lot of room to bring innovation 
uh, to that area. And so what Grown In does is we work directly with companies uh, to provide online training for their employees from uh, things like required uh, uh, vendor training in Illinois. Um, so we partner with uh, a, a group called Illinois Equity Staffing uh, that you might know. You should have Shawnee on the show if you haven't already. Uh, she's yeah. And uh, they, um, they are a licensed provider and have some really wonderful proprietary content. And I told you about our uh, new partner, Eric who is a whiz in terms of understanding learning design online. And it's not just to pass a test and check a box, but it's to understand the why behind what we're doing and have you know, nicely curated digital resources that you can go back to. So whether it's um, that kind of required vendor training or, you know, uh, uh, we, we partner with the YWCA of Metropolitan Chicago on uh, inclusion and equity training specific to harassment prevention. And so what Grown In is doing is on Mondays and Thursday mornings, we have information and it's our best of our ability. Here's what's going on. Uh, we do these summits and these webinars and there's a lot of actual education in the summit that um, uh, for folks that maybe aren't in the bud tender level, but they're in corporate dev or valuations or investment banking or, and so we're just recognizing all the areas in which professionals need to grow in the area, combine that with what we're doing in terms of reporting on what's going on. And, um, you know, we have a, a lot of experience building education companies for adults in other arenas. Um, and just so happens we know a lot about cannabis. Hell yeah. Well, um, wasn't an accident. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, that's just really cool, man, because, uh, you know, like you say, uh, individuals that, uh, want to work at, uh, you know, plant touching company, as you called it once, uh, quoting you a lot because I like how you say things. Um, so, uh, you know, you can cultivate, process, dispense right there. There's compliance and education. Uh, but then there's beyond compliance information. There's, uh, you know, the fact that like, look, you said varietals earlier. Not a lot of people know that word. Yeah. I mean, how, people, I mean, how people say strain, which is a word borrowed from microbiology. Uh, has no place really um, in the uh, plant realm. You know, people that study, uh, what what is the study of plants? Some, botany. Um, botany, there you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's not in the, that's not in the vernacular. You know, yeah, well, uh, I think strain. of it like a wine, you know, I think of it like a, uh, and then there's varietal, and then there's form factor, and then there, I mean, this is now, you know, talking from like a user's perspective, but, you know, the, but there's also, how do you, how do you create that carbonated beverage or more importantly, how do you manage your, like, how do you develop a culture within your organization where your bud tenders are not just responsible for getting customers in and out every six minutes, but actually listening to what 
uh, people are saying and being able to react with, you know, a first timer or um, someone more comfortable with the plant. And I think um, the more informed everyone is in a cannabis organization, the better experience it is for everybody. Yeah. I mean, honestly, think about the experience. Like think if you went to a liquor store and it was that rushed experience and half the items on the shelf are out and you have to get the kettle one vodka, like what, you know, this is so, yeah. No. And, and, and for me, I mean, you talked about clubhouse too. Like, I mean, I'm very proud of what Cronin's doing or whatever, but I learned a lot on the clubhouse app, uh, more as a user than anything else. Uh, you know, I, I have, um, I have arthritis and so, yeah, you know, I'll pop a gummy. I like to smoke a little bit and, uh, but okay. How do I, you know, what topical do I use to, you know, help my legs move more comfortably? And, uh, you, it's great to see people on social networks that have this experience that want to share that with others. So, um, that, is among the coolest things about all of this, um, you know, cannabis becoming more normal, more accepted, that people can talk about something that's been really important in their lives, share it with people that are curious, and then allow people to make their own decisions. Yeah, and hit the ground running. You know, that's the thing about, um, I think, part of what you guys will achieve with this venture into educating people, not only on compliance, but beyond compliance, um, I think it's going to go a long way towards professionalizing, modernizing, standardizing the industry. And st- by standardizing, that's what I mean when I say hit the ground running. You know, something we learned from Colorado is that you can't just sell 100 milligram cookies. People can't handle that. <laughs> you know, yeah. so Maureen Dad, Maureen Dad, the uh, writer from the New York Times, took one early on and um, wrote a column about it in 2014. Scared a lot of people, but yeah. Yeah, well, and and that's where you saw, you know, this 10, 10 milligram serving uh, recommended recommendation come from, you know, and low, low and slow, bro. Right. You can always eat more. You can't eat less. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, I think that that uh, that's commendable, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, because I hope to see a day where cannabis is as normal as alcohol, coffee, um, you name it, you know, think about, you just brought up wine, the conversations you have about wine, they're very much like the conversations folks have about cannabis and coffee. I mean, people talk about the different blends of coffee brewing. People are huge into the home brewing scene in Illinois. And in fact, uh, a lot of the, uh, language is same is the same. You got terpenes, you know, and we actually, we had a, uh, certified sommelier on the show. He was telling us about that. It was really cool. He's actually a local, uh, local uh, cannabis um, enthusiast reviewer. I want to give him a shout out, Cannabev. So, folks, I actually was just on Cannabev's show. It should be coming out soon. So, if you want to see my ugly mug, because I know we're on audio right now, you usually don't see my. And you're lucky that you're not seeing it. Mike's, or sorry, Brad's having to deal with it right now, the full glory of it. But uh, no, I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, on Cannabev, shout out to him. But anyways these all these industries are very much alike and i hope to see a day where it's uh normalized you know i think we're getting there you know yep. and, uh remember it's all about the journey and not the destination yeah 
that's a that's a good quote where what's that from or is that just you i was written i don't know it was written i didn't make that one up i was gonna say god damn that's a that's a deep one (laughs) 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 so i've had fun with you today brad it's great uh, i really appreciate being on the show and uh thank you so much for having me yeah, I'm a big fan of you and Mike's work, so it means a lot that you guys set aside the time to to reach out to me, to invite me to summits, but also to come on my show and uh, break down and give people kind of an insight as to, you know, not only who you are, you know, because that's awesome. That's what I love about my show. I can have a, you know, intimate conversation with you about your past and whatever, and uh, but then we can talk about, I liked that we talked about, yeah, what's going on in Illinois, in the Illinois cannabis industry, because um yeah you're on the front lines of that reporting so i appreciate you guys coming on to always speak on that and share what you've learned i think it'll be the first of many conversations cole thank you yeah for sure so brad uh spirison you can find him um on clubhouse which you mind throwing your clubhouse out there i guess just on clubhouse i'm I'm brad at cronin.com and twitter facebook's and linkedin and uh eventually you know, out in the real world again after this plague uh, uh, calms down a little bit. Yeah, it'll be cool to see you in 3D. Yes. You know, I'm used to seeing everybody in 2D, you know, so <laughs> so it'll be weird to see with depth like, oh, there you are. So <laughs> anyways, man, it's been a pleasure today. Um, again, uh, appreciate you setting aside your time. Folks, check out grownin.com. Sign up uh, for the newsletter. Again, if you just go to grownin.com, um, it's up in the top right-hand corner. It's free. Some of the best reporting you're going to get uh, for Midwest cannabis. And uh, they've got articles, multiple articles come out a week. So, um, and then you got things to look forward to like upcoming summits, which uh, Brad said, there's going to be more of, and um, you know, there's big time players in those summits. So folks uh, keep your eyes peeled for those uh, because you can learn a lot. You can really learn a lot in there. So thanks, man. Thank you. Um,